say about this episode will be the final ending that I can officially confirm of the organized crime stories in terms of my childhood. I really need this timeline another time because once I finish first-degree murders. First-degree murder is any premeditated purposeful killing of another person. Um, if the murder is planned in any way, that's considered first-degree. The method doesn't matter whether it's a poisoning or a shooting as long as it's planned. First-degree murder. First-degree murder ch charges lie heavy on the tent, so I witnessed that in organized crime. In organized crime, I witnessed second-degree murders. Uh, second degree murder happens when a person kills someone without planning to do so. Organized crime. I saw felony murder in organized crime. Felony murder is a murder that happens during another crime. Felony murder happens when intentionally committing a crime and murder someone in the process. And with an organized crime, I saw manslaughter. Manslaughter is very closely related to murder since it also results in the loss of life. The difference between murder and manslaughter is malice and intent. There's no malice in manslaughter charges, and the circumstances are often accidental. Um, I saw that in organized crime. I saw vehicle manslaughter. Many times, accidental murders that happen in vehicles are charged under vehicle manslaughter. Um, I saw involuntary manslaughter. Organized crime. Voluntary manslaughter involves a death due to reckless conduct or criminal negligence. Um, yeah, these are all the things I witnessed in organized crime. I even saw the heat of passion in references to murders in organized crime. <laughs> I mention these things um, to let people know that organized crime is the complete obliteration of hearts, the complete obliteration of souls, the complete obliteration of memories, the complete obliteration of minds, the complete obliteration of memories. 
the complete obliteration of taste, the complete obliteration of touch, the complete obliteration of sight, the complete obliteration of hearing, and the complete obliteration of smell, the complete obliteration of instincts, and the complete obliteration of intuition, the complete obliteration of instincts. So that's why I tend to share these stories. And, uh, well, that organized crime. Well, let me just, let me just give y'all some information. This, the last couple of years, I've been cooking more than I've ever cooked. So, in the world of organized crime, she made it fun. There was sexual racism against black men. Most commonly, black men are expected to be hyper-masculine, hyper-sexual, and their fetishization is seen predominantly throughout porn and the BBC, um, big black cop category, which reinforces the idea that they should have a large penis. Or as many would say, the other thing with phases of Angie is that not only did she big dick, talk about autism, will. not only did she do different um, food dishes, but and she black men were supposed to be um, these videos about history, about what was going on in history. These black athletes that are these animal-like entities that are strong, powerful, quick, unpredictable, lack cognitive capabilities, and they have these wild moments, so. That is how I was also treated in the world of organized crime. Um, as a black boy back then. And, uh, the, um, in the world of organized uh, crime, I saw sexual and racism happening against black women. The Jezebel stereotype, the mammy figure, and the black female body stereotype, you know, large breasts, large buttocks, and large lapia, um, and hypersexual people. That was within the world of organized crime that I saw too. I even saw this happen to black girls. I even saw black other black boys being treated similar ways to black men being to sexual racism. How is everybody? Um.
This is hard to talk about, but um, when it came to Asian women, I saw. that there was a Asian fetish syndrome that is born out of male desire for dominance and still type of Asian women as individuals over the domination. And I saw that being applied to Asian men and Asian boys too. Asian people were seen as open to the subjugation even to because of doing it. That's what I saw. Then, uh, then organized crime, I saw the stereotype of Arab women being exotic and desirable, as well as submissive and oppressed and being considered sexually available. Um, I, s I remember with mixed race women, exotic, intriguing, um, seen as um, sexually daring, sexually inviting, and sexually enticing. And, and this, I saw this happen with race girls. Basically, they were treated, I saw the the hot blonde stereotype and the dumb blonde stereotype sexually so that in organized crime, so the white, so mixed race women were given the same stereotypes, sexual, uh, racist stereotypes that black women get and that white women get. In organized crime, I saw people treat white women as the, the, the ultimate prize because like, wow, this is the white man's um, most uh, valuable possession, which is white women. Notice the the misdepiction of white women through the lens of sexist misogyny that they sexualize and make erotic, which is sickening and maddening and disgusting in and of itself. So these are the things I saw within that world. Um, and I saw all types of sexual fascism. When I organized crime, I saw sexual fetishism with uniforms, underwear, spandex shoes, rubber, PVC, pantyhose, gloves, diapers, corset clothing, thigh-high boots, boot worship, ballet boots, and boots. Um, balloons, dolls, latex, and PVC, robots, spandex, what have you.
Um, I saw super models and models, half naked, naked, fully clothed, and they ought to be naked for not was over with with an organized crime because there's going to be a lot of a lot of sexual narcissism occurring. And a lot of sexual a lot of sexual psychopath, a lot of social a lot of sexual sociopath, a lot of sexual psychopathy, a lot of sexual psychopathy was gonna happen. Which it sadly did. Um share with you it's not fun at all so I witness misogynoir trans misogynoir uh, xenophobia symbolic racism societal racism scientific racism romantic racism uh, neo-colonial racism linguistic racism laissez-faire racism Internalized racism, institutional racism, gendered racism, environmental racism, cyber racism, cultural racism, covert racism, overt racism, colorism, and aversive racism. That's all those things happen with organized crime. In organized crime, I saw uh, race, um, ethnic hatred, ethnic conflict, ethnic jokes, ethnic slurs, ethnic stereotypes. Hate crimes, hate speech, racial hierarchy, racial nationalism, racial profiling, racial segregation. Negrophobia, white supremacy, racism against Asians, anti-Semitism, anti-Romanian sentiments. That's all these things happen in the world of organized crime. I was one of the few with an organized crime that was into anti-racism. I did see inter-minority racism in the United States with organized crime. Um, I saw black people experience racism the most in organized crime from the white people. They were racist with black people more than the other persons with an organized crime. So. Sexual fetishism is good outside of organized crime, but it's all bad within organized crime. I want people to just pay attention to that. Soft force seduction, medical fetishism, macrophilia, uh, erotic lactation, erotic spankings, erotic hypnosis, cuckooing, emetophilia, 
Um, Zoraerophilia. Wet and messy fetishism. Total enclosure fetishism. Tick consent. Uh, tickling games. Uh, the tight racing. The. Cock and ball torture, penis torture, dick torture, male genital torture, male genital torture. Leather subculture, so those are all the sexual fascism I saw organized crime. Outside of organized crime, all these things are fine. Whew. Well, I'm getting this off my chest. So, not to be heteronormative, but women experience the sexual racism No, so this is what I want to say. I have a healthy all-around attraction to white women, Asian women, Arab, Middle Eastern women, mixed-race women, black women, and black men. Because I honor white women, Asian women, Arab Middle Eastern women, mixed race women, black women, and black men. And, uh, I witness, uh, queerphobia, um, in the form of, there was a stereotype that, oh, gay, gay, all gay people are kinky sluts. Um, in organized crime, some people had secret rendezvous with gay people. They're like, oh my god, stereotype is true. But, and within organized crime, it's all bad. Outside of organized crime, as long as you don't create mischaricatures of people, then I can honestly say that So a lot of slavery the world of organized time in the forms of I saw chattel slaves in the world of organized time. As a social institution, 
Chattel slave and class slave. Chattel's personal property owned by the new slave like livestock is be bought and sold as well. I saw that. And then Charles and his bonnet labor, debt bonds from the unfit labor, which refers to parts of these shelves that are The services required to repay the debt their duration undefined. Debt bonds can be passed on generation to generation with children part of after they approach and enforce the debts. I saw that in Argonne's crime. Dependence. Word slave has also been used to refer to the state of dependence of somebody else. I saw child soldiers and child slaves. The most poverty parts of the universe. Um, also an organized crime I saw um, forced marriages or early marriages are often considered types of slavery. And I did witness what is called sacred prostitution, temple prostitution, cult prostitution, religious prostitution, in the world of organized crime. Our rites or ITS consisting of paid intercourse performed in the context of religious worship, possibly as a form of fertility, rite, RTE, or divine marriage. Scholars prefer the term sacred sex or sacred sexual rights in case where payers are third time involved. Um, some, most of the criminals were very um, into religious bigotry, but there was a handful that really liked incorporating religion to organized crimes they were committing. So, that's what happened. And in organized crime, lastly, the living conditions of who they called their ideal slaves means, number one, maintained strict discipline and unconditional submission to create a sense of personal inferiority so that slaves, quote unquote, know their place. Instill fear, teach servants to take interest in their master's enterprise, prevent access to education and recreation, to ensure that slaves were not educated, helpless, and independent. I saw all these things in organized crime. I saw bill of sales for slaves within organized crime. Um, the slaves within organized crime were punished by whipping, shackling, hanging, beating, burning, mutilation, branding, rape, and imprisonment. As well as starvation, dehydration, and roaming around in the nude because 
We're not going to give you clothes that will last you even for a few months. That's what I saw. And in organized crime, pregnancy was not a barrier to punishment. Methods advised to administer lashing to harm the baby. And just like American slaves in organized crime, the slave master dig a hole big enough for the woman's stomach to lie in to lie in and proceed with the lashings. So a lot of what happened in American slavery. I actually saw organized crime figures duplicate all those same things. And that's why slave narratives are hard for me to read because I'm like, I'm reading my, I'm reading parts of my childhood that organized crime figures said, you know what? Let's recreate American slavery organized crime that happened it absolutely happened so in organized crime I witnessed slaves being concubines and sexual slaves I witnessed slave breeding rape and sexual abuse of slaves the separation of families when it came to slaves inferior medical care and treatment when it came to slaves Slaves having to take care of each other. Education access information being robbed of slaves. I saw mixed race children with an organized crime. Yes, I saw all this stuff. I saw slave codes that they, of course, these are all illegal regulations, but organized crime slave codes is like, well, you can even murder a slave. That was considered acceptable. You weren't protected from any and all types of violences, by the way. Basically, the slave codes were just like what whites did to blacks in slavery days. That's what organized crime figures did to whoever they were taught to hate. Metal collars were put on slaves. I saw slaves being caged, auction blocked, in cell blocks. I saw that. Sometimes the bloggings were public and private. Public meaning in a private place, but a lot of people in there. And private, it was a little to no people there. Sometimes very little people. 
and you had to accept the master's sexual advances, organized crime, these things happen in that world. Slaves were not entitled to be adequately clothed and adequately fed. Sometimes you didn't have enough time to put on your clothes and eat, so you had to hurry up and do everything. And organized crime's version of slavery is that they believed it's that slavery is a positive good both in slavers and enslaved people. They think they felt not much different than 19th century slaveholders. I'm just being real. Slashings, all that too. You need to work just the right speed, not too slow, not too fast. I saw that too. Eliminating dreams and aspirations of, of slaves, saw that. Restrict access to information about escaped slaves or rebellions to stifle the mental faculties. Just like 19th century slavery, that's what I saw in organized crime. Organized crime, in a lot of ways, duplicates American slavery when you think about it. Domestic household servants, all that. Slaves being freed in certain masters' will, slaves not being freed in others' masters' will, and slaves being given to other people. A master died, saw that. The cowhide, cracker whip, whipping post, auction box, the spaniels, the iron collar, the slave traders. I saw that too. I'm not making any of this up because when I read certain, I've always read slavery uh, stories of the 19th century. I said, why does this relate to me so painfully, heavily? And then it dawned on me it's because at the time I was suffering from repressed memory and suppressed memories. But now the more I'm reading things, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, I saw this shit happen to me. That's, those are my exact words to myself when I saw like these details. It was like, I would go back in my mind and think, I really, that resonates with me because, oh, that happened to me. I'm not just reading stuff going, yeah, that happened to me because everything that I read happened to me. I, that's not true. It's just that organized crime, my memories come back. So I saw whipping scars all the time. Hollering, screaming, sometimes sexually, other times screaming for their life begging for mercy, those type of things. I saw concubines. I saw slaves being sold at, at auctions into concubinage or prostitution. Saw that. 
breeding farms. Organized crime has some version of that. Encouraging slave pregnancy, sometimes being whipped while pregnant. Um, masters and slaves producing slave children favoring female slaves and many children, male female slaves, slave pregnancies, sexual relations. That's all that. Four sexual relations, male and female slaves, four sexual relations between masters and slaves. Saw that all the time. Sexual exploitation. I saw that all the time. Um, sexual racism version of interracial sex. I saw that all the time. Normal interracial sex is good, but the organized crime version, it's all bad. Um, that was me, I saw what I saw. Slave mistresses and you know instituting the sexual abuse of men and boys happened all the time and it did happen to me. Um Fighting back against attacks and some die resist and some die resisting them up to the level of psychological physical scars and soul murder. I saw that happen all the time. I saw heart murder, mind murder, body murder, and memories murder. I saw all these things. Castration, saw that. Genital mutilation of males and females, some of them, I saw that. Forcing men and boys and women and girls in unwanted sexual activity, and some producing mixed race children, and some do not. Saw that all the time. I saw some free people, free adults, free children, indentured servants, and and none of them were immune from abuse by masters and slave owners. And um, I saw children and adults that were often subjected to all around abuse by their masters and master children and relatives. I saw that too. I saw the free people, the slave people in the district service being routinely abused. Making them sleep in their master's bedroom be available for service, I saw that. Forcing them to a dark field, I saw that. Forcing them into where areas of light, I saw that. Bodies belonging to owners, saw that. You know, falsely accusing rape when it came to the owners, to the 
place. I saw that in organized crime. All this stuff I saw organized crime all the time. They they liked American slavery and duplicate wanted to duplicate, wanted to do these things. even men were not immune from the family violence when it came to organized crime too. Now that I've completely finished talking about organized crime and the awfulness of it, because I won't be talking about any other episodes unless I have guests on. I only talk about it with them. Other than that, I'm not mentioning it by myself in the podcast. It's now it says casual sex. Eight essentials no one tells you, but you should know. STP reporter, September 8, 2021. For the longest time, casual sex has been taboo for the way it involves the use of body and flesh for carnal pleasure. It doesn't matter if intercourse is the basic human need, that every adult has the right to make choice in life without judgment, or even that people deserve to go out there and have fun as they wish to. Hell nope in the minds of traditionalists. The defenders of morality have taken upon themselves to condition society against sex that is without any relation commitment. And the burden of shame and dignity is so impulsive so imposed falls largely upon the shoulders of women as is the lopsided design of patriarchy. I had to take a breather. Bullshit is that happening. But despite arbitrary social dic- dictates, people are regaining control of their sexual rights and living control of the pleasures life and their bodies have to offer. No reason they should navigate the path better. Here are some essentials that will make your casual cruise and smooth sailing more normal. Some basics help you have fun with casual sex. Number one, consent should be continuous and non-negotiable. Either in long-term relationships or single night ones, consent should be consistent. Before during after sex, if ever right to call the thing off any moment you feel something is off or the date isn't right and you're just not into it. Don't guilt trip yourself into indulging in something for the benefit of your partners or to avoid the risk of offending them. But make sure you're not offending yourself either. Consent is non-negotiable for all parties involved. Respecting yourself enough to make allowances for it. Absolutely. Number two, at home, tend to your hookup body like a guest. If you bring a friend home, it's only still be extended the same hospitality or some of it as you were a regular guest. Make sure return. Make sure you return to a clean home, hygienic surroundings, and a place your partner feels comfortable to settle into, even if for a short period. We're not talking romantic roses and mood lighting. Hey, but if you want to do that for your casual hookups, have your motherfucking fun. That would be 
taking it a tad too far for a casual hookup for some people. Not all people in casual hookups have a problem with it, but some do. You don't want to come off too strong, right? Check out the basics, food, water, pillows, sheets. Those are important things too. Number three, you're entitled to ask your partner to sexual health history. It may seem like the fast pace of code attributes little importance to safe sex practice. Who's got the time question? But is there any other sexual arrangement that demands as much prudence toward health as does casual sex with its multiple con- consecutive stranger partners? The ever-present risk of STDs is hellish. Stay up to date with your routine medical checkups and take out information from your cup partners on the status of theirs. Well, it's written so perfectly there's nothing for me to add. That's why I'm going to keep going. Number four, keep protection, contraception, toys, lubes handy. If you're diving into the hookup pool, then arming yourself with necessary weapons is a prerogative for safe, healthy sex, positive, casual sex. Condoms and contraceptives, check. Toys and other contractions, check. Consent, check. Carrying a condom on you is a sign of sexual agency. It's you deciding when, where, and how. Moreover, safe sex is stylish. Don't feel hesitant to keep a stash of protection handy. Don't think of it as the duty of a partner. But if you have partners who are like that, then indulge yourselves. Number five, best to steer clear of one-sided attachment. Casual sex is called casual for a reason. Hook up, no strings attached. Emotional investments are stopped on a different aisle, segregated by dating preferences, racial feelings, and romantic fulfillments. As for casual sex, it's very characteristic to divide these labels. For those involved, go in expecting only immediate pleasure, no commitment beyond. Make it clear that at the very start, what you're looking for. Tell them yourself too that attachments out on cards for this liaisons. No social media friendship, no follow up needs, minimal contact. Well, that's not true for all casual sex buddies. Some do social media friendships, some do follow up needs, some have plenty of contact with each other. But you, my emotional safety should be a part of casual sexual relationships. I I strongly agree with myself on that. Number six, don't shy away from setting boundaries. Set some ground rules in bed or in sexual settings on what is off limits or what you're permitting before getting down to steamy ass business. People shouldn't have to compromise on their comfort and consent only for fulfilling the sexual satisfactions of their partners. Is Call the goddamn shots as your sexual agency fucking demands you to. Not comfortable with attempting a position? Say it for the hell of it. But more importantly, say it because you mean it. No kisses, declare it out loud. Something hurts, it's okay to say stop. Kisses are good if you want it. Tempting positions are good if you want it too. Number seven, you know, ditch the damn guilt. In India, particularly among women, there continues to persist Latin ass guilt for enjoying casual ass sex or premarital ass sex or 
or sex with multiple ass partners. Sexual agency and independence have forever carried stigma in our society with the condition that the morality of physical relationships lies in the purity of its intent and quotation. Procreation ranks hella best while pleasure ranks hella lowest. But on what grounds does this shitty guilt rest? Preservation of culture? Tradition? Who the fuck decides the best standards for these? Who the hell decides the best standards for these? Patriarchy is pulling the strings more or less. Ignore it. You do you. You fly ass motherfuckers. Number eight, relax. If today goes wrong, there's always tomorrow. Keeping it light and breezy is the way to go with navigating casual sex. Let your hair loose and enjoy the ride. It's one thing being stuck in a committed relationship with a partner not being able to fulfill your sexual needs. With hookups, one needn't stress about having to wait forever for a motherfucking orgasm. You match with an unsuitable ass suitor one day. Fret the fuck not. You can throw the darts again tomorrow. I love those viewpoints. And as I say in closing what I want to say is is that you fully know how I am sexually and you've heard all of my organized crime stories as a child so I can honestly say learn not to piss myself off and I've learned that it's okay to piss off the shit bags <laughs>